Welcome, 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 everybody, back to the show. Welcome back to Tap Outs and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Bully Rye. And uh, just a reminder to reach out to the show. Find me on Facebook at Tap Outs and Touchdowns, uh, on Twitter at Tap Outs and TDs, or uh, email the show at Tap Outs and Touchdowns at gmail.com. Uh, last episode, you may have recalled I tried to do a podcast pick'em segment. And Anchor, the app we use for podcasts, was having technical difficulties. Uh, Hopefully no technical difficulties today, as I've got a very special guest. The man who was supposed to do the pick'ems for me that day. He is here to do the show with me today. You you all will know him as Greek. Greek, how you doing this morning? Doing good, brother. How you this morning? Doing good, man. Doing good. I got some, some cool football talk to go over today. Uh, so without further ado, let's go into the first segment that I like to call Break It Down. Uh, this week's episode of, of, of edition, I should say, of Break It Down is brought to you by 123 Pins and Collectibles. From the Pell Pins to T-shirts and more, 123 Pins is your one-stop shop for custom-made pro wrestling merchandise. In business since 2016, 123 Pins has been featured in multiple editions of StarCast, uh, Become a member of the Gorilla Position and earn special rewards and exclusive offers. Visit 123pins.us to shop all the latest pins and collectibles. 123 Pins and Collectibles for Smarks by Smarks. Uh, this week's Break It Down, we're going to go over the first week of the NFL season. Uh, you know, Greek, tell me tell me your thoughts from, from what you saw, biggest takeaways or whatever from, from week one of the NFL season. Week one, um, at least in our in our group pickums, I was I was very surprised actually how well I did. I picked, I believe, thirteen correct games out of sixteen. With of course one being a tie. Which you look back on that tie and you just really go, how did Detroit drop that game? There's so much you can go back and look at that to the timeout to the, you know defense things like that. There's a lot of things you can really take away from that. So getting that game out of the way. I go straight to that first Thursday night game, Green Bay and Chicago. It's a hyped-up game. It's a rivalry game. They're in Soldier Field. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, who is a big-time quarterback, but is known for getting off the slow starts. And then all the hype around the Chicago defense. I think what really kind of got lost in the mix and what I'm going to deem as underrated was that Green Bay defense. To hold Chicago to three points, and Green Bay's not known for defense. And you do that in Chicago with all the weapons that Chicago has with Tariq Cohen, with their new running back in Montgomery. Mitchell Trubisky's coming into his third year, had a great season last year. The receivers that he's got, you know, I, I think that really spoke volumes. Um, one of the biggest surprises, I'll say even, was what Tennessee did to Cleveland. All offseason, all you hear about is look at the additions that Cleveland made on offense. Look at what they're putting around Baker Mayfield to give him some weapons to throw to. And Cleveland, even in their down years, has always had a solid defense. But Tennessee was buying none of that. And they come into town and just steamrolled through the Browns. Very surprising. But all in all, for week one, made for some exciting games, made for some good games. And now it's going to see... Who can follow that up in week two? That's right. Yeah, week one had some had some pretty exciting games. Uh, nobody should be able to forget uh, the, the Monday night game between the Texans and the Saints. The the <laughs> the Texans looked really good uh, against the Saints team that you know, if, for all intents and purposes, should have gone to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, took a last second field goal to win that game against the Texans. Uh, real quick to, to revert back, you mentioned our, our pickums for for the those in the audience who may not know. I run a uh, NFL pickem pool uh, every single year where I get I get a bunch of friends that go together and uh, through either ESPN.com or ESPN app uh, we we choose games. And as as Greek mentioned earlier, he he was part of the uh, winners for Week One at 13 and three. Um, but as, as, as Greek alluded to really fun week one action in the NFL. Uh, I'd like to go over uh, a couple of overreactions, underreactions. Um, I'm going to start us off uh, with 
one of my biggest overreactions from week one. And you kind of brought it up, you know, already Greek. And that would be the performance of Kyler Murray. Uh, everybody wants to talk about the fact that Kyler Murray came in, you know, led his team back as a rookie to, you know, to an eventual tie of that game. He finished the game with 29 of 54 with 308 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Uh, I honestly think, and that's, and for those who, who are good or are good at math, that's accounts for 54% completion percentage um, through three quarters. He was nine of 26 uh, for 70 yards with no touchdowns and a 27.4 uh, quarterback rating. I think a lot of people are thinking that Kyler Murray is now the real deal after one quarter of decent football against the Detroit Lions team that most picked to be at the bottom of their division this year uh, clearly have not shored up some some problems in their defense, specifically in their secondary. I know they've still got Darius Slay, um, or, uh, and I believe, I'm, I'm missing his name, um, Glover Quinn is gone, but Nonetheless, uh, I, th- I think Kyler Murray, uh, his performance in week one is one of the biggest overreactions. Greek, how do you feel about that? Or, or is there something, is there one of the, over- another overreaction that you now, would like to discuss? I think that that's a, a good point there. If you look at the overall body of work by Kyler Murray, you know, and against the team, not to pick on your lines, but like you said, they were picked to be you know, in the bottom of their division. So really this should have been a, a game that Arizona really had a lot closer um, throughout the game. But Arizona ended up getting lucky and coming away with a tie in that game thanks to a, whether it be a coaching mishap or a player mishap, with taking that timeout right there towards the end of the game when they had it locked. So in truth, Arizona got lucky by Detroit shooting themselves in the foot. Well, let's not, let's not, yeah, and, and not to mention in overtime when Danny Amendola has the opportunity to go out of bounds to stop the clock and get one more pass in for Detroit to, to try a, a field goal at the end of overtime to win that game. Danny Amendola, a veteran in the league, a huge mistake costing Detroit a timeout and, and a chance at the win in that game. Uh, exactly. I mean, we're talking about a seasoned veteran who has been in the league for how many years now has played on you know a Super Bowl championship team with arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks in in the NFL and and most definitely the best offensive system and coaching system the NFL I believe has ever seen with Bill Belichick so just a a total lapse and in judgment that Amendola would tell you nine times out of ten you step out of bounds and of course in that game just happened to be the one time out of ten that he tried to do maybe a little too much and really cost his team a chance no absolutely um my my second overreaction after week one um I'm I'm not sure how you feel about this but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it and it's it's the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson uh I mean it's 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 remarkable how much love Lamar Jackson and the, that Baltimore Ravens team got um, in, in their absolute domination of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, a couple of stats to, to read out. Uh, Lamar Jackson was 17 of 20 uh, for 324 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions to boot. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, they look good, but they were also playing the Miami Dolphins. In college, uh, Lamar Jackson finished with a 57% completion percentage last year alone in limited time because Joe Flacco was a starter last year for most of the season. He finished with a 58% completion percentage. 17 of 20 is much greater than 57, 58%. Uh, but, but again, you've got to take into consideration the competition. Like Similarly to what I said with, with Arizona and Detroit, Miami, every it's, 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 Common knowledge, Miami is "quote unquote" tanking for Tua at this point, um, and and I think with with Baltimore, the only legit thing on that on that team on that offense may be Mark Ingram because he's been able to prove it in college as a Heisman Trophy winner, as well as down in New Orleans uh, for the first part of his career. Uh, I just I don't think Lamar Jackson can heat this up, especially in that NFC North or that excuse me the AFC North where it's so competitive. Greek, how do you feel about about the Baltimore Ravens? 
I'm not big on them, honestly. I think Lamar Jackson, yes, he is talented. And, you know, Baltimore, I think, is still kind of searching for an identity when you had Joe Flacco there for so long. And now you bring in a quarterback complete opposite of him and Lamar Jackson. He really started to get his feet wet last year. And the the man is a playmaker with a ball in his hands. There's, there's no doubt about that. But we've also seen the long-term success or lack thereof with quarterbacks and his skill set. Now, that's not to say that he will not be successful. But we've just seen kind of how the league then the league defenses treat quarterbacks of his style. That seeing that they do have short-term success more so than they do long-term success. And so I think it's very easy to get an overreaction when you go out there and you throw four first-half touchdowns, five touchdowns overall. But I think you hit the nail on the head, and this was definitely one of my overreactions too because let's look at the flip side of this. This was the Miami Dolphins. This wasn't the New England Patriots. This wasn't, you know, the Chargers or the Cowboys or a a big-name team that we know are going to be potential playoff contenders. We're talking about a team that before the season even started, nobody had any expectations for this team whatsoever in the Miami Dolphins. And so it's just like you went out there and you beat a JV squad and let's go, you know, rah, 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 look what we did. Well, truthfully, that's what you should have done. So, oh, absolutely, yeah, no, I mean, and 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 to your point, uh, again, the Miami Dolphins, the tanking for Tua motto has has been out there, you know, since before the season started. It's just it's it's astounding how much love the Baltimore Ravens uh, are getting, specifically Lamar Jackson is getting. Again, to your point, that that style of quarterback, he didn't run. He didn't run much against Miami, but he didn't have to because they have Mark Mark Ingram in that team who was able to score two touchdowns on the ground in that game. Um, but I mean, you think of of, of other quarterbacks with that style uh, with that style of play now. Marcus Mariota is is being you know he's basically you know is this his last year in Tennessee? Cam Newton uh, is obviously um, not the same Cam Newton as he was when he was the MVP of the NFL. So, again, I, I think you make really good points, and I'm glad that you agree with me uh, when it comes to uh, the Baltimore Ravens and, and Lamar Jackson. I think everyone needs to pump the brakes uh, Pump the brakes there. Um, Greek, do you have any other any other overreactions, or do you want to go ahead and just move into the, uh, I call them underreactions from NFL Week 1? I do actually have one more overreaction, and I'm going to talk about my hometown team, the Atlanta Falcons here. Everybody's kind of jumping on the case of the Falcons and their offense and how they just didn't look well in Minnesota. And let's just roll that back and let's look a little bit here. The Falcons brought in Dirk Cutter after finally letting go what I thought was one of the worst hires in the NFL, Steve Sarkeesian. And Alabama, I don't know what y'all see for taking him back, but that's on you now. Thank you for taking him away from Atlanta. I think Dirk Cutter is going to be a good addition to this offense. I think he runs a great – he's a great offensive mastermind, and he's got the right people in place with Matt Ryan and Devontae Freeman. Ito Smith looks good early, you know, just getting him some experience moving forward. But then, of course, you got one of the most dynamic wide receivers in Julio Jones. you got Mohamed Sanu, who has always been a great slot receiver. He's a solid guy that's going to get you yards. And then you got Calvin Ridley, who's a young up-and-comer that, you know, really is going to be a great complement to Julio. Now, Atlanta did not look great offensively or defensively in Minnesota. But think about this. They went to Minnesota, played against a defense that was one of the top defenses in the league last year, and returned, I believe they said, 9 of 11 starters from that defense. So... You've really got to give credit to Minnesota there. They came in, they did a job, and they did it well. And Atlanta, they're going to catch their groove. It's week one. you got to get through some of these growing pains, and I think that they're going to. And so for everyone to kind of jump on, you know, Matt Ryan and that offense and, and looking anemic, yes, they look anemic, but they're going to get that ball rolling. They just need some time to gel and get it going. Greek, you know you're my boy, right? <laughs> you know, you know, you know. Yes, you're my, sir. I'm so I I am so sorry that you mentioned them as an overreaction because uh, man, 
I've I've got them as my first underreaction of this. Of this week one. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it's it's funny you mentioned that that you know again um, it's 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 early in the season and and they've got weapons they you know Calvin Ridley Julio Jones I'll tell you what man the Vikings are really good on defense but they. I didn't think they were shut the Falcons down on defense uh, that good. Um, Matt Ryan threw for over 300 yards, but but most of it was was when the game was out of reach. I mean, Minnesota dominated that football game for for three and a half quarters. Um, combined, I know you mentioned Edo Smith looked good earlier in the season, but the running game just isn't there, and I don't think it's been there for a few seasons. Uh, they only re- rushed for I believe 70, 75, 73 yards in this game against the Vikings. Um, you know, preseason, I picked the Falcons to finish second in the division um, and, and to take a wild card spot into the playoffs. Now, again, this is week one. Um, and, you know, before the Thursday night game where the Panthers just laid an egg against the, the Bucks, um, I didn't know about the Falcons taking second place in that division. Um, the Panthers did keep up with the Rams, uh, but, the, but the, the, the Buccaneers came to town and handed in their second consecutive loss at home. The Panthers are now 2-0. Uh, so it, it opens that door back up for the Falcons because I don't have faith in the Bucs. Uh, but I, I think that this is this is more of a story that they're supposed to have this high-powered offense. They did not get going until the second half of that football game when they had no chance to win that game to begin with. Um, I know you mentioned Sarkeesian being gone. Maybe not a bad thing. I I just don't know. I, I don't think this this offense has been the same since the coordinator went out to San Francisco to take over that head coaching job. And I don't, I don't know if, if you see, if you start to see Atlanta lose a few more games here at the beginning of the season, you may start to see that team implode and you may see some big changes at the end of the year. At least that's, that's my takeaway. Uh, so again, I know you're my boy. I know that's your hometown team, but, and I know you felt like it was an overreaction for people all over the Falcons. I, I think people need to pay more attention to the Falcons because this could get ugly if they can't turn this around. They've got a good opportunity to do so against the Eagles this weekend. Now, you know, we'll get into those picks later on, but I just, again, if the Falcons start out 0-2 and you've got the only two teams in that division with winning records are the potentially 2-0 Saints and the 1-1 Buccaneers, you're going to have a lot of people questioning what's going on in Atlanta. Uh, Greek, give me uh, one of your give me give me one of your underreactions in NFL Week One. Uh, one of my underreactions here, and I'm going to kind of go out on a limb on this one, is actually that Colts and Chargers game, and I'm going to give an underreaction to the Colts. And the reason being, if you see what they went through in the postseason, I mean the preseason, excuse me, especially right before the regular season got started with the. Uh, retirement of Andrew Luck and then all of a sudden you're looking okay well who's going to step in the quarterback and the three quarterbacks combined I believe had more interceptions than they did touchdowns I mean it was just it was abysmal you know you didn't know what you were going to get and then to go and take San, to take the LA Chargers I wanted to call them San Diego I'm still so used to them being the San Diego Chargers Absolutely. to take the LA Chargers to overtime that to me really said a lot and people should really be talking about a lot more because maybe Indy's not going to be as down as people thought they would. Now, do I think Indy is still going to be down? Absolutely. Losing Andrew Luck is is a gut punch to anybody because that was a great quarterback and football mind you had back there leading that team. A potential Uh, Hall of Famer if he stays healthy. Absolutely. Exactly. You know, I mean, we saw what he could do at Stanford. He brought that to the NFL, and he really lit it up out there when healthy. And I can see why he was forced into an early retirement. You know, his mind just wasn't there. Um, And and you got to take care of yourself. And so he made what he thought was the right call for him. And if if that's the case, then, you know, kudos to him for, for seeing that. And, and taking care of himself. But again, with that being said, it really left Indy in a, in a pretty bad position. And to take a team like the Chargers to overtime, being in that sort of down state, to me, that was very impressive. I didn't give Indy a, a snowball's chance in hell at the, in that game. 
and no. they went to overtime, which I thought was phenomenal. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think about about that that situation. Um, I mean, obviously, how can you not think about the situation? We had the Frick's Fantasy Football League draft at my house, and immediately after our draft, uh, we were getting rumors and, and word of, of Andrew Luck retiring. Now, uh, to your point, um, you know, it's yeah, everybody was looking for for Indianapolis to come out and, and look sluggish, uh, you know. New quarterback, and of course, I say new quarterback. Brissett has played in Indianapolis, but but now he's he's the full time starter. He got paid as a full time starter, fifteen million for two years, so he's got a little bit of a chance to see what he can do with that offense. Um, uh, I've still got you know even before Andrew Luck went down, I had Indianapolis finishing third in that division at seven and nine. So uh, granted, they had a really good showing against the Chargers. Uh, it's also it's also week one. Uh, but this could be a sign of things to come for these Colts. They look really strong on defense, um, and and in that division with with the Jaguars team, who we really don't know what they are, um, with a you know a, a team that I'm going to speak about in a second, the Tennessee Titans, um, you know, being again a, a really good team, I, I picked them to win the division, and then the Texans who can hang with the uh, with with the the Saints on on Monday Night Football. You never know what Indianapolis can turn the season into post-Andrew Luck era. My uh, second underreaction of the weekend, and you mentioned it earlier uh, when you were talking about week one, I don't think people are talking about the Tennessee Titans as much as they should be. Now, again, I picked them preseason to win the AFC South. Part of that reasoning was is last season, now granted, the Detroit Lions beat the, the New England Patriots in the regular season, but the Tennessee Titans destroyed the Patriots last season. Now, again, different teams, different seasons, and all that stuff. But Tennessee Titans, they've got young wide receivers. A.J. Brown looked really good uh, in, in spurts. Uh, Delaney Walker being back doesn't look like he's missed the step. Uh, they've got a couple of good, really, really good running backs. And Derrick Henry uh, broke off a 75-yard screen pass for a touchdown last, last week. Um, you've got a, a starting quarterback in Marcus Mariota who – Maybe on his last limb if he can't pick it up with the, with the Titans this season, but they've got arguably one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL in, in Ryan Tannehill, especially considering Tannehill was a wide receiver in college. We know he's got the ability to run with the ball. Uh, if if something happens with Mariota and he goes down, Tannehill is going to come in, and that offense should not miss a beat with their similar styles of offense. Uh, you know, and they are they are really, really I would call them great on defense. Um, this this game with the Cleveland Browns uh, was was not about the Browns not living up to the hype that they got in the preseason. Uh, I think the Titans are really that good. Now, I think uh, Baker Mayfield towards the end of the game, I think he threw three interceptions in the game, but towards the end of that game, I think Baker Mayfield was trying to push the ball down the field, trying to make something happen, and it was just too late. Hence the turnovers. But I, I really think that this game had more to do with the Tennessee Titans and the potential for, for what they can do this year, more so than the Cleveland Browns just coming out and laying an egg in week one. Uh, Greek, how do you feel about that? Or is there something else you want to talk about when it comes to underreaction to the NFL week one? No, I think that's a, uh, definitely a great analysis. And you look at the Tennessee Titans and their offense, they just have athletes all over the field. Like you said, Mariota goes down, Tannehill's going to step in, and they really should not miss a beat. And so that actually brings a very healthy level of competition to that quarterback position, something you really don't see that often. Like, you don't see many backups really kind of challenging for that starting spot. And that's not to say that Tannehill is is challenging for that starting role, but we've seen what he can do with a depleted Miami team now you put him on a Tennessee team that actually has athletes around him that can make plays. And you kind of wonder, what can he do? Can he push for that starting role? And how is Tennessee going to continue to move forward should something happen to Mariota? Now, we've seen him go down and miss games before. You know, Mariota's not, you know, uh, untouchable and, and immune to anything. Not the most durable. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so I think that was a smart move and a smart pickup by Tennessee to go and get a guy like Taney Hill who really kind of complements Mariota in terms of style and play so that they can continue to push forward with that style of offense that they have going in Tennessee. And they did look really, really sharp. Um, 
you know, for Derrick Henry to reel off a 75-yard screenplay when all anyone talks about is if you're going to pick up Derrick Henry in fantasy leagues, you better hope that he can get rushing touchdowns because he is pretty much off the field when it comes to the passing game. So does that open a new door now that Derrick Henry can actually, you know, reel off some of these passes or run some little screens and maybe even some slants and get downfield? You know, maybe that off that opens up a new option for Tennessee. So, you know, it's it's scary for defenses what Tennessee's really got cooking there. Because like I said, Cleveland has been known to have good defenses. And Tennessee just made them look foolish. So Absolutely. You, you got to wonder, and if you're a defensive coordinator and you're looking at that at your schedule and you see Tennessee, you, you better start planning and preparing now. That's right, Greek. Well, uh, really good stuff from week one of the NFL season. Week two should be a blast. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to give you a, a new edition of the Gridiron Man of the Week, followed by some podcast pickums and a new segment I'm introducing to the show that I'm going to call Fantasy Hot Tags. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. specialize in custom clothing, kitchenware, wall art, car decals, and much, much more. Shop online today at fricktasticcrafts.etsy.com or find and like them on Facebook by searching for Fricktastic Crafts. And since I happen to have a good relationship with the owner and I love my listeners, enter the code TNT and get 10% off your next order. That's fricktasticcrafts.etsy.com. Enter the code TNT and get 10% off your next order. Now, the music might give it away, uh, but we've got a pretty interesting pick for the Gridiron Man of the Week. Goes by the name of Thomas Pestock. Uh, Pestock, Pestock, I mean, you can pronounce it how you want to. I'm going to see if you can guess it either by, the, by the, uh, the, the music playing or based off of, of what I, I'm bringing to the table now. Uh, Thomas Pestock was an offensive guard at Northwestern Missouri State became the starter in his junior year in 2007, and in 2008 was named first team All-MIAA. He was part of a team that played in four consecutive Division II national championships, but never won. He was an undrafted free agent and signed with the Colts in April of 2009. He was cut in August and then re-signed and cut again by September. In January of the following year, January 2010, he signed a futures contract with the Arizona Cardinals, but was released in September and then re-signed to the practice squad later that year. He would sign a futures contract again in January 2011, but was released in September of 2011, and that was the end, essentially, of his football career. Our gridiron man of the week was also a talented boxer. He was a two-time Kansas-Missouri Golden Gloves amateur boxing regional champion, and he fought in the 2008 Golden Gloves National Tournament champions, uh, but would lose in the quarterfinals in the super heavyweight division. Now, if you haven't been able to figure it out based on the theme music that played at the beginning of the segment, or based on everything else I've, I've outlined here, now we're getting to his wrestling uh, resume. Uh, Thomas Pestock is none other than Baron Corbin. He signed to the WWE developmental brand NXT in 2012 in August of that year and would make his debut four years later on the main roster at WrestleMania 32, winning the Andre Memorial, uh, Andre the Giant, I should say, Memorial Battle Royal. His uh, accomplishments in WWE include a 2017 Money in the Bank contract winner, uh, Money in the Bank briefcase winner, however you'd like to call it. As I mentioned before, 2016 Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal winner, and he is also a one-time United States champion. Uh, 
this is the weekend of Clash of Champions, and the King of the Ring tournament will come to an end uh, tomorrow night when Baron Corbin faces off against uh, underdog Chad Gable. Uh, Baron Corbin does not have a, a great reputation with the fans. I don't know why. I think he does his job of being an incredible heel. Uh, he, he definitely knows how to get heat. Some people said he gets heat because he uh, for all the wrong ring reasons. He's boring, whatever the case is. Nonetheless, uh, we may see uh, Baron Corbin, a.k.a. Thomas Pestock, add another accomplishment, 2019 King of the Ring, to his resume by the end of the weekend. This has been your Gridiron Man of the Week. Stay tuned. Coming up next, we've got Podcast Pick'em and the premiere of Fantasy Hot Tags. Stay tuned. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Really exciting to actually have someone to pick games with me on the show today uh, with Podcast Pick'em this week. Uh, Greek back with us here for for Podcast Pick'em. To do a recap, week one of the the Podcast Pick'em went better for Greek than it did for myself. Greek is sitting with a record of seven and three. I am sitting with a record of six and four. Greek mentioned in our opening segment, that he went 13-3 and three in the NFL uh, schedule for week one. So I've got some, uh, some, some, a challenge ahead of me going forward. But now that we are full into football season, we're going to split up the, the games half and half. We're going to do half uh, college football games and half NFL. Greek, how does that sound to you? Sounds good to me, bro. I'm excited. You know, before we get into it, college football, we, we got a really exciting weekend of college football. Uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend outside of South Carolina, hopefully being able to pull an upset against the Alabama Crimson Tide? Uh, I'm going to be honest here. I'm, I'm looking to that Clemson-Syracuse game. You know, Syracuse is really one of those teams that's always given them a fit. You know, the, the last regular season loss for Clemson came at the hands of Syracuse up there in the Carrier Dome. Uh, we know what Syracuse did last week against Maryland, absolutely laid an egg. And so you really wonder, is that the real Syracuse team or are they going to actually turn it around and step up to the challenge this week? And Clemson really has to look at that game and circle that and say, you know what, this is, so, this is sort of a revenge game for us because when we were up here last time, we lost. A game that they should not have lost either, and they know that. And so they got to go into this mindset hungry, ready to you know kind of destroy the orange men and not look at them last week and say oh they did this against maryland we should have you know a cakewalk here you, you just you can't sleep on them especially when you struggle with them in the past and so i'm really looking forward to that game and just kind of seeing what two teams are going to show up no i completely agree one story i want people to pay attention to first of all the iowa iowa state game we're gonna we're gonna pick that game here in a minute uh but a rivalry game early in the season is going to be fun to watch uh, not necessarily going to be a, necessarily a competitive game, but a, a, a nice feel-good story out of the University of Georgia. Uh, they are pinking out the stadium. Uh, Arkansas State head coach, Arkansas State obviously playing in Georgia today. Uh, they, uh, hey, Blake Anderson lost his wife to breast cancer, and so the University of Georgia is supporting that by encouraging their fans to wear pink in the stands today. Really good feel-good story, as well as, again, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Tennessee, I, I think, I, I may have said it if I haven't on the show, Tennessee is probably in my top three to top five most hated uh, college sports programs in the country. Uh, but there's a really nice story going along there with the the boy in Florida. I'm Greek, I'm not sure if you heard about this, but there's a boy in Florida who was decided to wear a, a homemade Tennessee shirt to school spirit day. Um, he got bullied for it. Uh, by the by lunchtime, he had torn the shirt or they had torn the, the, the little – piece of paper that he had drawn the logo off his shirt. Tennessee has now uh, given him a, a gift box with a bunch of swag, so to speak, uh, as well as they are mass producing this T-shirt and using the proceeds to go against bullying. So really, really some good feel-good stories in college football heading into week three. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to pick some football games because that's what we like to do on the show. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, Florida at Kentucky, number nine Florida going on the road to Kentucky, uh, eight-point favorite. 
Uh, Kentucky is not the same Kentucky team as, as, as we've seen the last few years. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hard to go into Kentucky and get a win, although they are eight-point favorites. Greek, where are you going, Florida or Kentucky? I got to go Florida in this one, and I'm going to give my reasons why. It's not that I'm a believer in Florida. I think it's the fact that Kentucky loses their starting quarterback last week out for the season, and so that really puts them in a, in a hard position. And if you look at what Kentucky lost, even from last year, there's no Josh Allen. There's no Benny Snell. Those are two crucial playmakers that they lost to, to the draft. And so now you're down also your starting quarterback, who is just an incredible playmaker. Ask South Carolina. They have yet to beat him. In fact, they've yet to beat Kentucky in the last five years. And that just, that's so sour coming out of my mouth saying yeah, that. I understand. <laughs> Trust me. But, I know the feeling. But you, you're losing – and you've lost so many crucial guys. And, yes, it is in Kentucky. No, Florida has not looked great. I'm, I'm certainly not a believer at all in Felipe Franks. In fact, I've got several friends that are Florida fans, and they say, you know what, so long as Felipe Franks is quarterback, God help us if we win. <laughs> <laughs> and so you yeah. come from the Florida faithful. They're, they're not believers in the quarterback either. But just like I said, with what Kentucky has lost – between last season and this season, I think Florida goes in there. It's a hard-fought game, but Florida's going to walk out with the win. Yeah, I'm going to agree for everything that you said, and for the interest for the for the interest of time, um, I'm not going to go repeat everything. Florida wins this game by I'm, I'm going to say by at least two touchdowns. Uh, next on the list, I, I mentioned the rivalry game early in the season, number 19, Iowa, traveling to Iowa State. Iowa, a two and a half point favorite. I'll go ahead and pick this game first. Um, if I'm going, I'm, I'm, we're obviously not picking against the spread. We're picking straight up. I'm going to take Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State was a sexy pick in, in their conference this year preseason. I love Iowa in a sense of I love, the, the again, the feel-good story when Iowa's at home at the end of the first quarter that everybody turns around and waves at the, at the children's hospital. Unfortunately, they are not playing in Iowa today. I'm going Iowa State with the upset. Uh, Greek, how do you feel about this Iowa-Iowa State game? I got to agree with you on that one, brother. I like Iowa State in this game, especially at home. Iowa State is always an upset, happy team. They, they're they almost like a South Carolina in the ways that they like to find a way to lose the games that they should win. But then with some of the games that they just look like complete underdogs, they, they find a way to get it done. And so I like Iowa State at home in a huge, huge rivalry matchup for the state of Iowa. All right. So, uh, you know, Greek, you're not helping my case. Bully's not going to be able to catch up with buddies if you agree with my picks. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next on the list for, college, for the college football games, we've got Stanford at number 17, UCF. Uh, crazy sta- uh, or crazy uh, line here, considering the success that Stanford's had in, in, in previous years. Uh, also knowing the success UCF has had, UCF is a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite, ranked number 17th in the country against a Stanford team that just fell out of the top 25. Rick, who are you going to take in this game, Stanford or number 17? You know, I went back and forth so much on this game that it almost just came down to a coin toss. I mean, I feel like you can make a case for either team. And really what it came down to was, was almost just listening to, to college game day this morning around this game. Um, and they made some great points. Stanford is just not the Stanford that they used to be. They are the popular pick. Just looking at them, you see Stanford, UCF, you're like, oh, that's easy. That's Stanford. UCF, you know, did a great job getting this game scheduled, trying to make their case known. But I'm going to go Central Florida in this game. And one big thing that sticks out to me that I didn't even think about until somebody said it is Stanford is coming all the way to Orlando, Florida to play this game. If you've ever been to Orlando, Florida, when it's 90 degrees, you know doggone well it doesn't feel just like 90 degrees. It feels about 190 degrees. And coming from the state of California where there's virtually no humidity to the state of Florida where it feels like a hot, wet blanket draped over you, it's very hard to play. And so I I say advantage UCF, and I think they come out with this one. I'll tell you what, man, you're really not giving me a chance to come back. I, I've, got, I've got UCF for the simple for, – for a lot of the same reasons. Again, uh, kudos to UCF for trying to schedule some, some different competition 
uh, the last couple of years, they, you know, there was, a, a, what was it, two, three years ago, they went undefeated and gave their players national championship rings because they didn't make the college football playoff because of, of the weak conference they play in. So kudos to them for trying to schedule at a conference that's, that's challenging. I know South Carolina played them a few years ago. We were their only loss, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but like you said, Stanford's not the same Stanford we've seen in years past. Um, they got dominated by Southern Cal last weekend. Um, I'm, I'm going to go UCF here. Um, you mentioned this game earlier. We're going to pick the Clemson-Syracuse game, number one Clemson at Syracuse. Again, you mentioned Syracuse the last time they played in Syracuse. Clemson was upset. Uh, Clemson is a 27-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, I, you know, Greek, I'm going to let you go ahead and pick this game first as well. I want to hear what you got to say about Clemson-Syracuse more than you've already said. Um, with this one, to me, is really kind of an easy pick. I think Clemson is going to go up there and get the job done. Trevor Lawrence, and again, this feels like hot daggers coming out of my mouth saying anything positive about Clemson. Mm-hmm. But Trevor Lawrence is a playmaker. No, he's not off to his best start in these first two games. But – I think any other college team would take his slow start in these first two games, hands down. And I think that really says a lot about him as a player. He, the, the kid just knows how to win. And Syracuse really just, I mean, laying an egg is such an understatement for what they did last week. And that's not to downgrade Maryland. I think they've got some good things going up there too. But, I, I mean, Syracuse just looked absolutely pitiful. You you do get to come home. You get an advantage there. But, again, you're talking about a team that hasn't lost a game in, what, 18 games now? Yeah. I, I think it's too tall of a task for Syracuse. They may cover the spread, but for a straight-up pick, I got to go Clemson here. I'll tell you what. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned um, Syracuse, the way they looked against Maryland, real quick. In the middle of watching College Game Day when we're recording this this the show, both of us took Iowa State. David Pollock from College Game Day just took Iowa State as well. Just to throw there that out go. there. <laughs> uh, but as far as Clemson Syracuse again, you mentioned Syracuse looked abysmal against Maryland. I I think it was clear they were looking forward to Clemson because they really wanted to pull off another upset against Clemson. Having said that, it's not going to happen. Clemson is just too talented. Clemson has backups that would be starting on a lot of, uh, you know, division one football teams. Uh, you look, you know, you mentioned, uh, Trevor Lawrence and his slow start, P- you know, last week they had a game, a really good game against Texas A&M that the score was a lot closer than it was, uh, or than it, you know, than it actually, than the game actually was Clemson dominated that game. Texas A&M finally scored at the end of that game to make it look, uh, like a 14-point loss, but for, for all intents and purposes, that was a 21-point loss for Texas A&M. Uh, Travis Etienne didn't get off the ground much in that Texas A&M game. He had 205 yards rushing in that game against Georgia Tech. I'm looking for another 150-plus yard uh, outing today against Syracuse. Uh, Travis Etienne, I don't know how he was not looked at for the Heisman last year the quietest 1,800-yard rushing performance in college football history, in my opinion. Uh, he had – I think he averaged over eight yards of carry for the season, also averaged over eight yards of carry in the game against South Carolina last season. Clemson wins big. I don't know if Syracuse can cover that 27-and-a-half-point spread, but, uh, but regardless, Clemson's going to win big. Uh, last but not least, and I mentioned this the first time that I did pick'ems, if South Carolina is playing a game – they're going to get the main event. Uh, we didn't do picks last week, uh, partially because as a South Carolina fan, I was not really happy with college football last week. I was, I was under the, the feeling that if South Carolina could somehow lose to Charleston Southern, that I would hang up college football for the rest of the season. Fortunately for us, uh, we didn't have that problem. However, unfortunately for us, uh, we have a, a difficult task in facing the number two team in the country. Now, last year's national championship runner-up, number two ranked Alabama, comes into Columbia, 26-point favorite. Now, I, I'll go ahead and make this pick first because you may, you may uh, echo my sentiments here. Uh, the last time Alabama came to South Carolina, they were upset as the number one team in the country by a miraculous uh, play-calling game. Steven Garcia played uh, out of his mind. Alshon Jeffrey was a stud. Marcus Lattimore looked amazing. Uh, and, and 
Matter of fact, South Carolina is the last team from the SEC East to beat uh, the University of Alabama. No other East team has done it since. That was nine years ago. Having said that, a true freshman, a quarterback, uh, you know, playing at home in a, in a, in a ruckus environment, 330 CBS game, I just don't think South Carolina has. My, my hopes for this game is that South Carolina can keep this game close for three quarters. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking within a touchdown, 10 points. Alabama scores late to make the score look a little more lopsided than it should be, but it, it gives us some hope for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I just – I don't see I, – I see there's a, there's a possibility that, that Alabama covers this 26-point spread, but my, my hope is that it's, it's not until they break it out in the fourth quarter. I'm taking Alabama uh, as, as hard as it is for me to do. Greek, who are you taking in this game? Safe bet is Alabama, and that's that's who I'm going to have to go with in this, is just sticking with the safe bet. On the flip side of that, will history repeat itself? The last time Alabama came to town, like you said, was nine years ago. Steven Garcia, no slide five, as our friend Mr. Uh, Mr. Jason Buck likes to call him, uh, took him to task. And that was also – a 3.30 game on CBS, same thing that you got today. In Columbia, 3.30 game CBS. I think, you know, prior to the season, there was a thought that maybe history could repeat itself. I'm a little more hopeful today than I was after that North Carolina game and watching just that abysmal start that Carolina got off to. Uh, I still think it's too tall of a task for them to overcome. Um, but I think Wes Mitchell from Gamecock Central will give him a quick shout-out. He had a great point reading one of his articles and that you don't really want to come away with moral victories. But today is a good chance for South Carolina to really kind of turn the page in this season, even if they don't win this game. You've got a high-caliber quarterback in Ryan Holinsky who is really taking over this team now. He had a great showing against Charleston Southern. Yes, it was Charleston Southern, but it was also his first college game. And you see everything that him and his family has endured. And I think that has actually helped him mature a lot and be able to handle this spotlight a lot better than most people would be able to. And so I think he really thrives under pressure. And so I look for him to still have a good game. Um, it's going to it's still a question to what we really are going to consider a good game going against this very talented Alabama team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've really got to get the run game established, uh, you know, got to get the passing game going. Offensive line has really got to try and hold their own to give our guys some time to make some reads, find some holes. Um, so that's going to be the things that I really look for today. How are they able to do these things? And so even in a loss, if you can keep this game close, and by close, I mean 17 points or less. Um, yeah, I, I think you have some things to really build on. And so we'll, we'll see exactly how they do. But in a straight-up pick, I'm going to go Alabama. I guarantee uh, if, if South Carolina wins this game today, I'm going to do an entire segment on Gamecock football. <laughs> I love like that show. It may, not, it may not get a lot of listens or it may not get a lot of views or whatever you want to call it, but I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, so, so yeah, we got the college football picks in. Uh, it looks like we're in agreement on every single pick. So, whatever it is, uh, bully, bully's going to stay at least a game behind you when it comes to the the college picks. Uh, let's go to the NFL. Uh, let's start with another divisional matchup. Uh, we mentioned the Vikings in an earlier segment on the show. Uh, Vikings at Packers, Green Bay. After, again, you mentioned an, an impressive showing against uh, the Chicago Bears. Green Bay, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Green, who you got in this game, Vikings or Packers? This one is another one that I've gone back and forth because you just look at who's playing in this game and you look at the history of what Aaron Rodgers has done as a quarterback. And, of course, Green Bay still has their, their weapons there. And, and like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, their defense looked very – very good on the road too against a talented Chicago Bears team. With that being said, though, I've got to go Minnesota in this game. I, like I said, I still like their defense. They returned nine of 11 starters on that defense. That was one of the tops in the NFL last year. Um, still only week two. Rodgers, as much as I love him, has been known to kind of get some slow starts and pick it up as the season goes on. So, 
Dalvin Cook looked amazing last week with that run game. Really took a lot of pressure off of Kirk Cousins' shoulders. And plus, he, Kirk Cousins himself is even going to throw into Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. I got to go uh, Minnesota in this game. Um, all I'm going to say is Packers, you can suck it. Vikings win. Uh, the next <laughs> next game on, on the card, I guess, uh, the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans, both featured in our, in our talks uh, earlier in the show. Tennessee, a three-point favorite. Uh, I'll go ahead and start us off here. I'm taking the Tennessee Titans. Again, I, I mentioned with, with the, the underreactions uh, in, in our, our break it down segment, the Tennessee Titans are really good. Uh, you know, we don't know, you know, how good Indianapolis is going to be. They look good against the Chargers. But I just – I think Tennessee is too much, especially Tennessee getting them at home. I mean, it may be closer than three points. I think Tennessee will cover the spread. Uh, but nonetheless, it doesn't really matter. I've got Tennessee taking this game. Greek, how do you feel about this game? I got to agree with you that one, Bully. I like Tennessee in this game for the reasons that we mentioned earlier. Tennessee just having that great offense running through a defense like they did with Cleveland. If Indianapolis was showing me what they showed last week, midway through the season, my pick might be different. But this is only week two. Indy showed up week one. What can they do in week two? I'm under the impression Indy's really got to show me something before I really start having some confidence in them. All right. Next up on the list, we've got another divisional matchup, this time the NFC East. The Cowboys at Redskins. Uh, Dallas a five-point favorite. The Redskins looked decent, for, at least for the first two quarters against the Eagles last week, and so the Eagles came back and ran all over them. Uh, Greek, he got Cowboys or Redskins. You know, this is a very intriguing game because you look at what Washington did to Philly last week. And, you know, Case Keenum, I think, looked better than people anticipated he was going to. Then on the flip side, you look at Dallas, and you look at what they did against the Giants. And Dak was – you know, was doggone near perfect. I mean, like he, that. Had, yeah. he had an incredible game. He was hitting his receivers. He wasn't just force-feeding Amari Cooper. He was going Amari Cooper. He was going Randall Cobb. He was going Michael Gallup. You know, Zeke looked good getting in there. Jason Witten, out of retirement, comes in there and does what Jason Witten does. And so I think Dallas really has some mojo going right now. They got some momentum. I like them on the road. All right, taking the Cowboys – as am I. I'm not taking the Redskins just to be different than you. I'm taking the Cowboys. Uh, next on the list, we've got Eagles and Falcons. Uh, the Eagles at the Falcons, I should say. Uh, again, both teams we discussed earlier in the show. The Falcons more at, at nauseum. Philadelphia is a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Uh, you know, Greek, I'm going to let you give me, give me your pick on this game first. Uh, and this might be one. Right now I've got the Eagles – picked in our pick them but it might be something that i go back and change and you know what for the sake of for the sake of our podcast i am going to go on a limb and i'm going to go falcons again for the sake of you look what case keenum did against this eagle secondary last week and it just you've got a better quarterback in matt ryan with some great offensive weapons this is the home opener for atlanta it's sunday night football mercedes-benz stadium is going to be rocking i'm going to be there screaming my head off yes i'm a season ticket holder i'm screaming go falcons i think they get a little redemption this week i think the eagles are going to put up points but i think the falcons offense they're going to get it together they're going to click this week falcons are going to roll i finally get a chance to tie you up because I'm taking the Eagles in this game. I mentioned earlier, I the Falcons did not look good. Their offense is stagnant. Uh, they, they didn't get going until the end of that game against the Vikings last week. Uh, and, and Philadelphia is, is a, another one of those sexy picks for preseason to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, hopefully Carson Wentz can stay healthy the entire season, especially now that there's no Nick, Nick Foles or, yeah, Foles. Uh, especially since Foles has already been injured down in, in Jacksonville. Uh, so I'm going to take the Eagles and try to tie you up. Uh, finally, on the NFL, uh, outs, outs, I can't even think of what, what the word I'm trying to say, the, the outlook for the NFL, uh, Monday Night Football, Browns at New York Jets. I looked up the line before I found out that uh, New York Jets quarterback has mono. Uh, Cleveland was a six-point favorite. I'm taking Cleveland just because it's it, – again, I don't think they're a terrible team. The Titans are just that good. And I think it's a good chance for them to bounce back with the Jets bringing in a backup quarterback. Monday night football, the Browns have something to show. 
I'm taking the Browns. Greek, who you taking? I got to go with the Browns on this one. And a big reason is, like you said, Sam Darnold out with mono. You take out the starting quarterback there for the Jets. Even with Darnold in there, the Jets, they're – I don't even know if you really could classify them as a good team. They really got to prove it to me that they got something there. Yes, they've got Le'Veon Bell, but if you, when you get down in games and to lose a game to Buffalo like you did last week with a sixteen nothing lead, you know it just it really doesn't say a lot to me. I think Cleveland's better than Buffalo, and so you just you got to go Browns in this one for a lot of reasons. I yeah, there was a lot of sports talk radio people, especially when Darnold went down with mono. They basically said that this is already the end of the Jets season. We're we're in week two, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how how it plays out this week. We're gonna take one quick break, one last quick break, I should say, and we're gonna come back with a brand new segment I like to call Fantasy Hot Tags. Stay tuned. Welcome, everybody, back to the, the last segment of the show. Uh, the first edition of Tap Outs and Touchdowns segment that I like to call Fantasy Hot Tags. Now, remember, if you want to if you, if you play along, reach out to the show on Twitter at Tap Outs and TDs. You can always reach out to me on Facebook at Tap Outs and Touchdowns. And then if you've got anything that you want us to talk about on the show or any, any advice you want fantasy-wise or, or other, uh, send us an email at touchdowns at gmail. Dot com. Uh, again, fantasy hot tags. We're going to go over 10 scenarios, 10 potential scenarios for the fantasy football landscape for the fantasy football weekend. And we're going to make picks based on on the scenarios that I lay out. Greek, are you ready? I'm ready. Yes, sir. All right. Scenario number one, Sammy Watkins over under 125 receiving yards against the Raiders. I remember last week he had 198 yards and two touchdowns. They've got no Tyreek Hill this week. Uh, Greek, you taking over under 125 yards receiving. I'm going to take the over on this one, and for the reason that you just mentioned, no Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I've been going back and forth with this. I think I'm going to go over as well. Scenario number two, sticking with Kansas City, we've got Pat Mahomes. 378 yards passing in week one. Is he going to get over or under 300 passing yards against Oakland? I'm going to take the over. Greek, what are you taking? Over, under 300 yards passing. I got to go over with this one, too. If you look at the weapons that he's thrown to, even without Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins finally showed last week what we all know he's been capable of doing. He's still got Travis Kelsey in there, who's a, a wide receiver in a tight end's body. And then you look at Damian Williams. You know, Kansas City's always been happy to throw the ball out of the backfield. You got a running back, even with Kareem Hunt no longer being there. Damian Williams steps up, fills that role, does a great job. Mahomes, just too good to stop. Let's not forget about uh, Shady McCoy in Kansas City now. The only thing that concerns me, Patrick Mahomes got a little banged up last week, but I think he was a full go at practice on Thursday, so we're good to go there. So uh, next scenario, Dak Prescott. Last week, four passing touchdowns, but no rushing touchdowns. Only had 12 rushing yards in week one. Having said that, Dak Prescott, one passing and one rushing touchdown versus the Redskins. Would, would you take that, yes or no? I would take that, and I think the reason he did not have a rushing touchdown last week is because he didn't need to run the ball. He was able to throw very effectively over at Giants defense, which was honestly kind of surprising, but nonetheless – was able to throw the ball very well. The Washington defense and on the road is going to be a little bit harder to kind of overcome. Even though Dallas wins this game, Dak's going to have to be a little bit more of a playmaker himself. Yeah, I'm going to say no there. I don't. I think they've got Zeke Elliott to run the ball. I don't think they're going to rely on, on Dak much to throw. I think he's got a point to prove to get his contract. I'm going no. He'll have passing touchdowns, but not a rushing touchdown against Washington. Uh, next up, Baker Mayfield. Again, week one, 285 yards and one touchdown. He had some picks. Over under two touchdown passes against the Jets this this Monday. Uh, Greek, what you think? Over under two touchdowns. I'm actually going to go with the this one. Um, and it's basically just you've got to prove it to me that you can get it done. It's not that I don't like Baker Mayfield. It's just that I think right now he's still very inconsistent. 
Um, and after what they did last week, he's really going to want to try and come out and prove himself. And so you almost wonder, is he not going to overdo it and kind of throw some stupid errant passes? So I'm actually going to stick with the under on this one. I'm going to take the over. I think uh, the Jets are, are not going to be the same team. Uh, even on defense, um, they're not going to be the same team as they were against the Bills. Specifically, they're not going to be able to get to a big lead and then give it up. I think I think Cleveland rolls and Baker Mayfield is going to get over two touchdown passes. Next up, we got Todd Gurley, 97 yards rushing and four receptions last week, but no touchdowns. Uh, does Todd Gurley find the end zone against the Saints this week? I'm going to say yes, partially because he's on one of my fantasy teams. Uh, Greek, what do you say, Todd Gurley, does he find the end zone this week, yes or no? I think he does find the end zone this week. I think Malcolm Brown definitely gave fantasy owners a scare last week. But think about who we're talking about here. We're talking about Todd Gurley. If the man is healthy, he's going to get fed the ball. And he's going to get his touchdowns. He's playing against a defense that's not quite as good as, as a Panthers defense, even though the Panthers have not looked sharp. That defense is still a very good, very sharp defense. You're going against the Saints here. I think it opens up some more opportunity, and Todd Gurley is going to – he's just going to get his. I think he gets in the end zone this week. All righty, next up, who was who are going to have more fantasy points, Carlos Hyde or Duke Johnson against Jacksonville? Uh, quick uh, recap, fantasy point-wise, Carlos Hyde had 9.5 points. Duke Johnson had 13, but Carlos Hyde was used more in the rushing game last week. Uh Greek, who you've got more fantasy points, Hyde or Johnson? I got to go with Carlos Hyde on this one. Even though I like Duke Johnson, he again has always just kind of been one of those inconsistent players. And he seems to be used on an inconsistent basis as well. You know, Carlos Hyde was brought in for a reason when Lamar Miller went down. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I like Carlos Hyde in this one. You're taking Carlos Hyde. Let's, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say Carlos Hyde as well. Uh, all right, next up, more receptions in the game between the Eagles and Falcons, Deshaun Jackson or Julio Jones. Now, last week, Deshaun Jackson blew up in his return to Philadelphia with eight receptions. Julio Jones had six. Having said that, who has more receptions in this game, Deshaun Jackson or Julio Jones? What say you, Greek? I got to go with Julio Jones on this one, and it's for the mere fact, and it's uh, a caveat almost. Matt Ryan loves to force feed Julio Jones, and that is almost to a fault. And you saw that in the Minnesota game last week. Uh, I think they're going to have more success passing the ball this week, and so he's really going to look to Julio more to to catch passes and throw to him um, in Philly. Yes, I'm sure they're happy that Deshaun Jackson is back from what he's done before, but you've also still got Alshon Jeffrey there, who Alshon to Philly is Julio to Atlanta. And so I think you got to go Julio Jones in this one. Uh, you know, I'm going to disagree with you. I think Deshaun's proven to be a playmaker that he, that he always was in Philadelphia. I'm going to go Deshaun Jackson. Uh, next up, more fantasy points. Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller in the Kansas City versus Oakland game. Uh, a little comparison last week, Travis Kelsey only had 11.8 points in fantasy, where Darren Waller, uh, the tight end for the Oakland Raiders, 14 points in week one. Obviously, all of our points are, are based on PPR. Uh, Greek, I'm going to let you pick this one first again. Who has more points in this game, Kelsey or Darren Waller? I got to go Kelsey in this one. Darren Waller is a sexy pick. He, you know, had a great game to open up last week. But Travis Kelsey, again, no Tyreek Hill. So Mahomes is going to have to throw to somebody. And outside of Sammy Watkins and throwing some little dump passes to Damian Williams, Travis Kelsey is really going to be that guy. So I'm going to go Kelsey here. I'm going to go Travis Kelsey as well. Finally on the list, uh, star rookie out of the D Detroit Lions slash Iowa Hawkeyes, TJ Hawkinson blew up and had 131 yards receiving in a touchdown last week in the week one tie with Arizona. TJ Hawkinson over under a hundred yard receiving versus the chargers. Uh, I'm going to go with the over just because I think this game is going to turn into a shootout and Hawkinson looks like he's going to be the real deal. I'm going with the over Greek. What say you? I'm going to go with the over here too. Hawkinson is a, 
he was flying under the radar until last week, and now he was one of the top, I think, waiver wire picks. Uh, I haven't gone and, and looked to, to corroborate that, but it's everything I've heard from friends that play fantasy or things that you watch on, on ESPN. Hawkinson was one of those uh, people, if you didn't have him, everybody wanted him. And so I think, like you said, in a shootout, it's going to be Hawkinson. All right, so you're going the over then. I'm going with the over, yes, Over sir. 100 yards receiving. All right, guys, this has been a great show. Greek, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. It was a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have you on the show again. Everybody, enjoy your week three of college football and your week two of the NFL. Again, reach out to the show if you want to play along with the Pick'ems uh, at Taphouse and TDs on Twitter, Taphouse and Touchdowns on Facebook, and email the show, touchdowns at gmail.com. Everybody have a good weekend. Stay safe if you're anywhere near these hurricanes coming along. And I will see you next time. Take care.